Hi, and welcome to Process, a podcast where we have honest conversations about what it takes to manage the ups and downs of a creative journey. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host. On this episode, I'm really excited to be talking to Michelle Armas, my favorite artist, an amazing abstract expressionist painter whose art is featured in magazines and homes all over the world, including mine. In this episode, Michelle and I will be talking about her art, what it's like to stand in front of a blank canvas, and how motherhood has affected her creative process. Let's get to it. Michelle, it's awesome to have you on Process. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being on Process. Yeah, you're welcome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your art. I have to admit that I have some of your art in my home. Oh, <laughs> so cool. I'm really excited that we are having this conversation. And I'm curious to know how you describe yourself and your art and how you got to where you are today. I consider myself an abstract expressionist painter. Um, I use all kinds of mediums, acrylic paint, oil paint, soft pastel, oil pastels, graphite, Gold foil, I mean, you name it, I use it. Um, And I paint everything from abstract expression all the way to detailed, um, really intricate geometric paintings and even portraits and drawings. I've been an artist my whole life, so I just call myself an artist. And uh, I give myself license to uh, let that definition evolve over time and um, be perceived however it wants to be perceived by whoever I'm talking to. And I so. read a little bit on your on your website about your time in the New York branding world. Mm-hmm. So while, while you were there, were you on the creative side as well? Yeah, actually, I have a master's of uh, branding and graphic design that I studied after um, after I graduated from college. And I got a job at Landor in the corporate identity, which pretty much means I was designing it wasn't actually called corporate identity, actually. I'm sorry. I forgot what it was called now. But um, I was designing packages for European candy bars and, and stuff like that. Interesting. <laughs> it, was, it was not um, ideal for me. But it's um, exactly the same as abstract painting, like, for sure. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, actually, I started painting because, um, you know, work just really just blew. And I would come home. I would work from – I would get to work at, you know – anywhere between 7 and 10 a.m., depending on, you know, what was going on. And then sometimes I wouldn't get home. Routinely, I wouldn't get home until past 7, 8, 9, sometimes 11 um, o'clock at night. And uh, it was, I was just so stressed from it. So I started painting oils is, was my first love. So I started painting these really intricate oil paintings just to, to allow myself to get lost in the detail. It's just like, a, it's like petting my brain. <laughs> And what, when did you find the time to do this? Like after I would no get home from life? work, like, <laughs> or no I sleep? Would, um, no, I mean I would only paint an hour or two at a time because that's all I could do. But you know, instead of or so I, so I would like play an episode of South Park or something, you know, nice. and 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 pour myself a giant glass of water, and I would just sit there and you know let my brain kind of just untangle itself it just it's so oh stimulation overload first of all living in new york is just constant stimulation overload but then spending an hour to get home every day after you've worked a full day and not even just like you know a quiet ride home but it's just like changing stations and crush of people and the noise and the smell and the movement it's just and then like walking home and watching your back and then you get home and 
it's just like I needed to decompress and that's how I decompressed. And so it makes sense that now you live in like in Georgia in like a bungalow. Yes. <laughs> Which um yes. your your decoration skills are amazing as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What? I absolutely love interior design. I I can tell from your Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> what happened after New York? Well, um, we were living in New York. We'd probably still be living in New York if it were up to me, or at least we would have lived there a lot longer. But my husband needed to move back for his job. So we moved back here. And then unfortunately, I got really sick. I didn't know it when we lived in New York, but I had endometriosis and adrenal fatigue. I suffered from adrenal fatigue. So um, it took me about a year to two years to actually feel better. So when we moved back, I started, I had started an Etsy shop in New York and I kept painting and I kept working, but at a very, very much slower pace than I do now. And I'm mostly focused on getting better and I had some surgeries and just changed my lifestyle. I had to just become a meditative person and I had to figure out how to exercise to suit my needs and change my diet completely and just really was consumed with a lot of that stuff. But I was still painting and drawing and I was really into pattern design at the time and I was making screen prints. I mean, I was just dabbling like crazy and making jewelry. I pretty much just had this compulsion to create, but I hadn't really found exactly the product that anybody would want to buy yet. <laughs> I mean, and it sounds like with all of these different media that you were working with in jewelry and painting and drawing and all pattern design, it sounds from the outside um, kind of like there's very little self-judgment. A lot of people that I encounter are more, they need to find the perfect thing before they start. Does that make sense? And it sounds totally. like you're really willing to experiment and just kind of go with whatever you're feeling. Well, yes, that's true. But I think that that's just something you learn. I mean, um, I started draw. I've always been a drawer and a paint. My first memory is of playing with colored pencils. And I was so young that my parents didn't believe me that that was actually my first memory until I described, you know, the entire living room of this, you know, house that they didn't, they said, you were there when you were two. How could you possibly remember that? And I'm wow. like, well, here, here's what it looked like. So and I was always the girl sitting in the corner drawing and, and painting. And we had a craft room when I was a kid. My dad made me this craft room and I had a sewing machine and a hot glue gun. And I made flower arrangements and hair bows and earrings and clothes for my Barbies. And I mean, I just have always really just been interested in, oh, clay. My dad bought me all this clay and I would like make Christmas ornaments and all kinds of stuff, jewelry out of it. And, um, and then, so that was my childhood. And then when I went to art school, you know, I didn't know how to use a Macintosh computer when I started art school. My husband, now husband had to sit next to me and show me how to use the mouse, how to I mean, I had only ever used like WordPerfect. <laughs> I mean, I had like no idea at all what I was doing. None. And I mean, you know, when you go to a, a really good art school, you know, your first couple of classes are designed to weed people out. And so they were unbelievably challenging and the workload was astronomical. Everyone I talked to who's been to my school, we always just have this feeling of ease about doing new things because... We have never, ever, ever worked as hard as we did in school. There's no way I could ever work as hard as I did in school. Nothing intimidates me anymore. I was talking to a friend of mine who said that she was at her daughter's school and they said, we need to make a camera. And, uh, you know, somebody told her, we need to make a camera. And she instantly started thinking, how do you build a camera? 
<laughs> it's like, and she's like, in my mind, I had figured out how I was going to build this camera. And then it turned out that she'd misspoke. And she said, we need to find a camera. <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's the training we got. So, I mean, you know, we had to design everything from packages to books, to websites, to furniture, to clothing. I mean, we just designed everything and we were told repeatedly, you suck, you suck, this sucks, this sucks, do it again, do it again, do it again. And, um, and so you just, that's really how you evolve. If you don't have the mentality like that, you have to work at it all the time. You will never get to a place where your work resonates with that kind of pursuit and experience, which is really what art is. And that's really what people are drawn to when they look at your work. So it sounds like you went through like artistic boot camp. And oh, it for sure. <laughs> yeah. And they told you that it, you suck all the time. And I think that your customers would disagree. Do you? How do you feel about your work nowadays? Oh, well, my work now, I mean, I wouldn't put it out into the world if I didn't like it, if I didn't feel that it was something that I want to look at. What I meant, you know, by that you suck thing is it's when you're trying to tell a story, when you're trying to uh, present something, you either succeed or you don't. And I feel like with abstract expressionist painting, that's not necessarily the same process. For me, the act of creating the painting, the interaction between the artist and, the, in my case, the canvas, and the conversation that you have with the canvas, and the story behind what, what inspired the painting, that's really what matters and what people are drawn to. And in terms of being commercial, really, it's, a, it's just a sense of understanding where trends are headed and trying to respond to that. And so I would say that sometimes when I look at my old work, I think, oh God, the composition is so immature or that color palette is just, you know, not very developed. Because I feel like everybody thinks that about work that they did, you know, years ago or whatever. Um, that's normal for artists to feel that way. But I don't, you know, but I have grace with myself and I think, well, you know, that's where I was at the time. And it resonated with someone that somebody bought that painting and they, they, it moved them and it's now lives in their home. So I'm not going to, you know, disregard that experience because that's really special. Um, but maybe now I won't paint the same way, or maybe now, you know, I'll consider other things when I'm <laughs> creating. So I would say that in, in that sense, I don't look at my work and, and think it sucks or it sucked. But of course, you know, as I mature and as my work evolves, you know, I just move away from things. And then I kind of sometimes cringe a little <laughs> when I look at things that I just think are not quite as sophisticated as they should be. And I'm curious if you feel that way about, I mean, I think I've putting together like one plus one equals two. I see your uh, piece that bow tie I like everywhere. Um, like I, yeah. think I, I tagged you on Instagram, like some random interior design Instagram that I saw. And I was like, oh, there you are. Like there's, <laughs> and that's the print that I bought as well. And, I, and now years ago, And now I'm realizing that it's probably, is it one of like your most popular? And I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes so everybody can see it. But I'm curious, is that like a big hit? Yeah, that's the most, probably the most popular print I've ever painted. And do you and feel I, the same way? Kind of like, oh, that's old. I don't know. <laughs> no. And I'll tell you why. I mean, I don't really, I am starting to create a few pieces actually this week that are more in that sort of um, bubbly style. But I think the reason that painting is became so popular is because Emily Henderson of from TV. I don't, I don't remember what her show is called. 
Um, but anyway, she created a room and she put it in there. And so that really put a lot of eyeballs on it. And that's one of the reasons it became so popular. But one of the things I love about that painting is I actually painted it as a commission for a client and she didn't want it. She didn't like it. She said it wasn't what she wanted. Of course, it ended up being one of those situations where she didn't really know what she wanted. It was one of the few times I had to fire someone. I had to be like, you know, you really don't know what you want. Cause I created three or four paintings for her. And she kept saying, no, it's not really right. I shouldn't have said I wanted this when I really wanted that. And then, um, she wanted, or she didn't, she rejected the painting and I saved it instead of working it over. I saved it cause I liked it. And then in the end, you know, in the end, I ended up saying, you know, we really don't need to be working together. This isn't going to work out. But I love that painting was a reject. And now it's the most popular painting I've ever That's hilarious. Produced. That's yeah, vision I, for you to like that. And it's probably a financial powerhouse <laughs> with the prints and everything. And Yeah, yeah. It, prints are great. I'm really glad my husband told me I should buy a scanner and scan my paintings. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, um, I'm curious about that. What you mentioned about having a conversation with the canvas, what is that like for you when you approach a blank canvas for the first time? And is that a feeling of a little bit of fear or a little bit of excitement or what's it like for you? Um, definitely not fear, but excitement in terms of, so, um, so I'm looking at a blank canvas and I'm thinking to myself, it's kind of like people looking in their wardrobe or people thinking about what they want to wear. I kind of approach it the same way. Do I want to be a dark ingenue? Do I want to be, you know, a vintage, you know, Parisian chic? Do I want to look like a freaking hipster? Do I want to look like, um, you know, sporty, chic, California, Santa Barbara yoga girl? You know, it's like, um, that's, that's pretty much what I think of when I look at a canvas is I think, well, do I feel soft layers? Do I feel bold and geometric? Do I feel experimental? It's really just how, what's inside of me. And then it comes out on the canvas. And it's, it's curious to hear you say that because I know that so many, for example, writers approach like the blank page with a little bit of fear. And I wonder if it's the boot camp that you went through or simply, is that where you got like your artistic confidence? Um, yeah, I don't think that I'd be able to do what I do now if I hadn't gone to school because I wouldn't have honed, I wouldn't have strengthened my creative muscle. I feel like when what I tell, I get a lot of people asking me for advice and I always say the same thing. And so this is something that I've learned over the years is that creativity is, it's a muscle. So you have to work on it all the time. And it's just as bad as working out. You're going to suck at it just as much as you suck at working out. And you have to accept that and you have to just keep going and going and going and going. And once you get to a place where the work is, it doesn't intimidate you anymore then that's where you get to a place where you're not scared when you look at the canvas. Of course, now if I had to write something, then I would be nervous every time I looked at a blank page, I have to say, because when I think about writing, I get, I get kind of just apoplectic. But that's just because I have absolutely zero experience writing and I have no memory or any kind of um, experience of feeling confident in that area. So I have nothing to draw on. So I would say for anyone listening who does feel intimidated by a blank canvas, it just keep going until you don't. And it takes hundreds of canvases and it takes, I have a closet full of just nasty canvases that looks <laughs> so bad that I have to paint over. And another one of my most popular paintings, uh, Secret Garden, the black one, that's a paint over. 
I painted over this other painting that was so terrible. You don't even know. It was just awful. <laughs> it's interesting that like your two, what you would consider more popular uh, paintings at the moment are, I guess, like rejects in the sense of one from a client and one f yourself. Where you're yeah. like, not good enough. Gotta, that's, that's really interesting. I like that. Well, I think, I feel like that, that's like what I said, you know, what I think about art is that people are attracted to the experience, the process, whether they realize it or not. And so that's really, you know, I think subconsciously that's what's happening. The powers of the universe are quite incredible. So for you, what is kind of a low look like, a creative low? Does that mean like not producing anything that you're happy with or not selling as much as you'd like or maybe a combination of both? Or Yeah, I'd say both. A creative low would be um, there are times when I sort of avoid painting. I kind of procrastinate or... If I don't feel good or if my confidence is shaken a little bit, then I don't, I tend to not paint, tend to not work um, as much. But I, I consider those a natural part of the creative process because it's happened to me so many times that I've learned that it just is natural. It just comes. It's kind of like exactly again, like working out. It's a strain on your nervous system exercising is a strain on your nervous system. So if you exercise, you say you, you know, you, you work out, you're on this kick of working out and you're doing great. There is going to come a time when you feel really tired. There's, it doesn't matter how strong you are. There's going to be a time when you show up in front of the weights and the weights that you could lift last week or the day before you cannot lift no matter what you do. And you just, you can't do it. That's normal. That's just your body just is just living on earth. That's what it's like to be a human. And so I consider all those creative block times completely natural and normal. And I don't, I, I don't let them stress me out. I lean into it. There are times when I just like, don't even leave the house and I just stay home and I clean all day and cook food and take care of my daughter. And, you know, I can just tell I'm not going to be productive. And so I just lean into it. And then one day I wake up and I'm ready to go. And you've got the itch again. Yeah, it's an itch. Yeah, it's definitely an itch. And I, and then, or, or there's times when, you know, I don't, after a while, I don't get that feeling. I don't feel that. And I just think, okay, I got to go push through. And I just go and create so much crappy, crappy, crappy art until, <laughs> until something sparks. And I think, Ooh, that, that I like. And okay, so let me start over and let me just do that. And, oh, and then, you know, this starts to build up and then I feel confident again. So it sounds like you trust your process very much. Did that make transitioning to being a creative mama easier? Oh, yeah, actually. I would say that um, my, my mom, the thing my mom said most is, is about me and my husband is she says, I can't believe how calm you are. <laughs> I can't believe how calm you are. And she just kept saying it again and again because she came to stay with us after Alia first came home from the hospital with us. And she says, I just can't believe how calm you are. And I just... I guess I have a lot of confidence. I just figured it'll work out and I'll figure it out. And it so far has worked out pretty well. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this, you know, the same thing happens to me. And I remember, because moms are the best. My mom also came to stay with us. When, <laughs> and she lives around the block. But I was like, no, no, you must be in the same house with me. <laughs> um, awesome. But when after labor, a few hours later, the doctor came in, the pediatrician, and he sat down. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. He's like, so I just want to tell you that the baby has a broken clavicle. And, oh. and I remember being like, my mom was flipping out and I was just sitting there listening to him and he's like, it's going to be fine. In about two weeks, you will never 
no, that he ever had a broken clavicle. Babies are amazing. Um, we've done an x-ray, which here in Nicaragua, like they should have asked me for permission, but all right, <laughs> uh, it happened. <laughs> and I remember being like, okay, if you say it's going to be fine, okay. He like taught me how to breastfeed him in a certain way on one side so that I wouldn't mess with his clavicle or whatever. And yeah. I was like, all right. And my mom later was like, how could you be so calm? And I'm like, he said he's going to be fine. He said it's yeah. not a big deal. He's not even crying. He hasn't, he's not even in pain. And um, I think it comes from that. Like, I'm not sure where it came from. Maybe I was so tired. <laughs> but but it's, it's a gift. It's a gift to just like, in this case, I just trusted. And I was like, you say it's going to be fine. All right. I believe you. So w you mentioned earlier before we started um, this call that you, so there are certain days where Aliyah is taken care of by somebody else so that you can create. How does that work for you on scheduling terms? And this question is also for my own research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to work and I can't work when she's around me. So I have, a she, she's kind of like a nanny share. She's a woman who takes care of children in her home. And it was funny because my mother did that when I was a kid. And so I'm really comfortable with that situation. But this particular woman, she's older. She doesn't have young children anymore. So she takes care of three girls. Alia is one of them in a house just, you know, not far from me, a couple between my house and the studio. My studio is only three miles away from my house. So very close. And um, she's just this lovely lady. And Alia loves going there. There's just, you know, they do baby yoga. They listen to music. They go outside and, sit, you know, sit in the breeze. They watch the hummingbirds. They play. They fight. <laughs> you know, they just they just hang out. And the way it works here in the U.S. is you either pay for a nanny full-time. You have to have a full-time nanny. I was idealistic and thought I would, I could just hire someone to come like, you know, three days a week. No, 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 no. That doesn't work. <laughs> you have to pay someone full-time because now that I think about it, yeah, that makes sense. People want to ensure that they're going to have money, you know, full-time right. money. So, um, financially what we could afford was an, a sharing situation. Plus, you know, I really like the idea that she's with other children. And I also like the idea that it's not in a, in an institutional kind of, you know, not in a daycare with, you know, 30 kids. Right. So it would just, it just, you know, and again, I just trusted, I met a girl online. She, you know, because I, um, I posted, I made a blog post about how when Alia was born, I made her, I make her formula from scratch. And I asked for advice on the internet and someone replied to me. Lots of people replied to me and someone replied to me. We, we kind of became friendly. She said, let's meet for coffee. Well, we're meeting for coffee. She finds out there's an opening at this date, you know, that this, uh, nanny and that's how I found her. And so she goes whenever we want, but generally it's five days a week. My husband and I alternate taking her and picking her up so that I get two days to three days a week where I can work as late as I want. So if I get in a groove, uh, like last, like, so it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. So yesterday I could have worked all night. I could have just stayed here and worked until I was until 10 if I wanted to, but generally I get really tired and I need to come home. Yesterday I got tired and I came home. Plus I really miss Alia because that means that Oshin would put her down and I wouldn't see her till the next morning. But um, I'm not, I don't, sometimes I feel guilt about it. If I'm having a day where I don't feel that productive, I kind of feel like sad that I don't get to be with Alia and I didn't create something in the studio that will be financially worth it. being away from her, I guess. Or, you know, but, but for the most part, I try not to think that way because it's really counterproductive. This is interesting because this is like my one conversation with my with my best friend all the time. Like, but I'm not making any money off the creative stuff that I'm doing 
away from the child. And she's like, but you need to be away from him and create for yourself. And I'm like, but financially, she's like, the money has nothing to do with it. You got to do this for yourself. And I'm like, yeah. to internalize this is more difficult. <laughs> yeah. um, but it, but I, I, at least I'm not the only one. <laughs> um, oh, no. I, I feel like every parent has the same struggle. But I have to say I agree with your friend. You're never going to get to a point where you are you reach that point where you're making money because people are responding to your work if you don't devote the time it takes. It's yeah. almost like you you have to invest in yourself. And then, you know, on the other side of the coin, when I'm with Alia, I'm with Alia. I don't look at my phone. I don't do anything but hang out with her. And, you know, I get tired of that too. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Two hours on the floor playing peek-a-boo-boo and playing with blocks and stuff. It's like I can only do that for so long. You know, so many funny. days in a row before yeah. I start kind of before I start kind of feeling like okay I gotta I gotta get away from this. Yeah, my husband makes you fun know, of which me I think is like, normal. I thought we said no phones, and I'm like, no, 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 but I'm just putting Spotify because he likes Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus, <laughs> <laughs> and and he does love music. But I'll definitely like oh my, I'll try and like sneak a what's going on on Instagram, and then I'm like, nope, <laughs> put it down, put it down. So yeah, it's. It's a fun time, but at the same time, because there are some things that I do that make money, let's say, and some that I don't. Like, for example, my blog posts, I do them because I just love to write. Mm -hmm. So whenever I dedicate time to it, I'm like, all right, I need at least an hour away from the baby. And then sometimes I'm like, uh, but I'm, I'm just doing this for me. And I'm like, yep, yep, it's worth it. Just do it. Just yeah. do it. But it's an interesting journey. It adds a different level of complexity to creativity, I feel. Yes. Uh, how do you manage that? Has it affected your creative output? Well, I mean, when you bring a baby home from the hospital, you're not doing anything but taking All care of that baby down. for a while. Yeah, there's a, it took me about five months, three months of intense, what the hell is going on? And then two extra months of um, just, just from being sleep deprived and just, you know, building back up to the workload I had before. Um, so they're, they're right there. That's half a year. So I only had her for a year. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I would say that, you know, it forces me to focus more when I'm at, when I'm here, when I'm at the studio and I'm working, I, I really try to, even if it's a day like yesterday was a day where it was just all logistical stuff. It was get these wired, get these signs, take pictures of these, got to get a pickup, got to take everything downstairs and got to load his truck. And then I got to accept a delivery. And it was just like that kind of stuff all day. I try to just get it all done. So at the end of the day, when I go home to Alia, it's done. And, you know, the next day, then maybe I can focus the whole day on being creative and I don't have any like little distractions. Except you're on the phone with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I consider this, you know, part of, yeah. part of work. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I feel it's, it's a beautiful journey and it adds definitely for me, at least it gives me a lot more material to work with. Um, oh, how so? Well, because in my writing, oh, to practice all the things that I'm writing about, <laughs> the baby is number one subject where, you know, it's, I, I try to practice my presence or uh, mindfulness and paying attention to him fully and all this stuff. And mm -hmm. that's, he is, he's, he's great raw material <laughs> to work on. <laughs> but thank you so much for, for being on Process. And I, and I really hope that listeners out there who I know a lot of people are looking forward to this interview. So I, I hope that it's very enlightening for everyone to learn about your creative process. For me, it has been. And definitely to bond over the mommy stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. Being a mommy is, is the best. And a great chance to express yourself creatively. Because you can just, you know, make up stuff. 
<laughs> I've never sung so much in my life. I sing oh, like all no, day. Oh, no, me neither. And I realized I don't know that many songs. Yeah, I had to I'm Google just... like old McDonald, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I was pulling like, stuff next? out. I'm like singing, you know, I'm a creep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what songs do I know that I can sing to this child? Because, you know, they just love music. There's an Usher song about strippers, and we definitely listen to that on Spotify way too much. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. But, you know. Oh, he doesn't know. I'll no have the same thing. We listen to this awesome, we listen to, like, old-fashioned, um, you know, what is it, R-B-N-B? And, uh. R&B, 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 Airbnb, yes, oh, for music. Um, yeah, when we listen to like old school rap and stuff like that and Snoop and she just loves it. She absolutely loves it. The more beat it has and the more kind of just like funkiness it has, the more she loves it. I agree. <laughs> when I go to another kid's house and it's all like baby songs, I'm like, I can't do this. No. I, <laughs> I can't. No. And they laugh at me because like my, my son, Juan Jose, he's like, oh, yeah, he knows the new Justin Bieber song. It came out today. He went, and he, like, dances to it. He knows it. He knows when it's on because we oh, listen to it 500 so times. Oh, when they dance. <laughs> oh, so my cute. gosh. Well, Ali is still just only bouncing up and down. Like, she well, kind of yeah. just bends her knees a little you know but oh god it's so cute i just can't even stand it the dancing is so cute even when she was an infant when she was a teeny little infant she would start crying i would just put music on my phone the the like the dance clubbier the better (laughs) it was like (laughs) like put it on my phone and stick it in her little rocker and it was like peace she just peaced out that's amazing yeah she loved it I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this next time JJ is, is making a ruckus. Play some mm. Tiesto. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some reggaeton and just go to town. Just, let, let her, just let her zone out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being on Frases. Thank you so much for including me. You heard it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Michelle Armas, artist extraordinaire. I admire Michelle so much for her confidence, her dedication to her craft, for the way she approaches her art. Thanks, Michelle, for sharing all that with us. And for the parenting advice. I'll be posting more on where you can find her online in the show notes. So visit marcelachamorro.com slash process for more information. And to you, thank you for listening to Process. If you enjoyed this episode with Michelle, I'd be so grateful if you subscribed on iTunes. And you'll be in the loop when we're back with more episodes next Friday. Remember to drop us a review as well if you enjoyed this talk. I'd be so grateful. Tune into the next episode of Process for more on managing the ups and downs of creating and making. I'm Marcela, your host, and this was Process.